Well, you recognize that image there? It's, it's kind of hard to see it, okay, because of the light. I get that. But what, what, where did I get that? That's a what? A Google image, right. That's a Google image. And many of you, now, the center point symbol is not on the Google image, okay? And neither is the you are here. That's not there, okay? I added those. But I wanted to throw that up there because it's a tool that all of us use all the time, isn't it? I mean, anytime we go anywhere now, anytime, we can travel someplace that we go all the time. It seems like my wife or I, one of us, has out our phone, and we either are looking at like, you know, the iMap, whatever they call that, or Google Maps, and, and we're following ourselves as we go along. Do you do this? And you have to be safe, okay, I get all that. It's helpful to have an assistant with you that's watching it and telling you, you know, turn here, turn here, that kind of thing. But it's amazing. But do you remember when it first came out? How many of you remember the first time that you used a GPS to give you directions while driving? Anybody? You remember that? Yeah. Wasn't it incredible? It was so cool what this thing was doing. I remember the first time that I recall using one, my family was traveling up to New York City. We were going up there just to spend the day in, in New York and, and a couple of days up there. And if, if you don't know me, directions are not my forte, all right? Like, don't ask me how to get somewhere. Because I'm like, you know, I really don't know, ask Nancy. You're like, well, I just want to go to your house. I know, but I don't pay attention to that kind of stuff. Directions just aren't my thing. It's not unlike us to just get in the car and take off and say, well, there'll be a sign. We'll find a sign, okay? There's per- certainly there's a sign for the zoo somewhere, and we'll go, okay? Well, on this day, we planned ahead. And we borrowed this new device from my in-laws called a GPS. It was incredible. It was this small device, you know, that, well, it wasn't quite that big. But it was this small device that we plugged into the cigarette lighter in our car, and somehow it could give us directions. And I was like, this thing is incredible. We borrowed a couple of days before. We're riding around Martinsburg like, oh, that's so cool. It names the roads we're on. It was incredible. And there was a little car there. It had, this one had a car on the road. I'm like, there's a picture of our car. Right there it is. It wasn't actually, okay, but I didn't know that at the time. And I thought, there's no need to even get directions. We don't need to get directions to New York City. We probably wouldn't have anyway. We'll just follow the GPS. Perfect for us. So out we go. We pile up four kids in the back of our minivan and we take off north, I think. At least that's what it told me to do. So that's where I went. Can you know my driveway? What's it say, honey? Turn right. Okay. All right. And off we go. Now, if you've ever driven to New York City, for a long time, it's not that bad. Okay. It really isn't. They need to know I grew up in West Virginia. I am a small town boy. We, we were afraid to travel to Martinsburg when I was growing up. This was the city. We didn't come here. No. These were city people. So the idea of going to New York, I'd never been to New York City before. So I start out, and I mean, we're, we're following every single turn. Turn left, okay? Turn right, and, and we travel all the way up there. Now, those of you that have made this trip a bunch of times, you probably know exactly where this was. I have no idea. I have no idea where I was. I was going to New York City, and the GPS told me to go, so I went. But I don't know where I was. But all of a sudden, we find ourselves on this, like, double-decker bridge. A bridge on top of a bridge. My mind is blown at this point, okay? This can't be. But there's this double-decker bridge, and and we got to drive on the lower deck, and I'm like, 
Where are we going? And Nancy and I are now, we're arguing. The kids are crying. You know, it's just horrible. But we're okay because we've got the GPS. It's telling us, you know, keep going and the exit is soon and all that kind of stuff. And, and Nancy is over here now, my wife, and she's starting to get a little bit frustrated. I can hear sort of the, the tension in her voice. She's like, um, Mickey, Mickey, when she's stressed, she calls me Mickey, okay? Mickey, uh, Mickey, something's wrong. I'm like, I know, I know. There's like nine lanes of traffic now, okay? At least, maybe 18, I'm not sure. Lots of traffic. I'm probably exaggerating, but... We're traveling along. She says, Mickey, something's wrong. I'm like, I know there's people cutting in front of me and they're doing, you know, loop-de-loops all over the place. What am I supposed to do? Where do I turn? And she holds up the GPS so that I can see it. Now, this particular model had this neat little function, okay? I don't know what they called it. Maybe the spin around and drive you crazy because when it lost the GPS signal, you know what it did? The car in the middle of the display spun around and around and around in a circle. So this car is just going, lost signal, lost signal, lost signal. And I'm in, the, I'm in like, I'm in the middle of 25 lanes of traffic now. When you lose your signal, you're in trouble. I don't know how we survived. I'm, I'm, I'm honestly surprised we're not still up there. Okay, camped along the road, you know, crying out, somebody help us. When you lose your signal, you're in trouble. We know that with the GPS, but in a greater way, when you lose your signal with who God is and what he's doing in your life, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. And what makes it particularly so bad for us as followers of Christ and as residents of this world, temporary residents, aliens here, strangers here, is there are just, we are surrounded by what seems to be an unendless supply of people who are ready to give us a signal, who are ready to give us counsel, who are ready to direct us in a particular direction that they think we should go, that they want us to go. That will meet their, maybe their selfish needs or, quite honestly, will destroy us. We're surrounded in this world by people that want to direct us. And folks, that's why we come together here as a body. I hope that this is not the extent of your intimacy with God. I surely hope this isn't it. If you are waiting with bated breath, 167 hours for church to come so you can plug in and kind of be, you know, revitalized, if this is all you got, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. But with that being said, one of the many values of us coming together is right now you can look around the room And in Berkeley County, there are many of these rooms right now. And around you are people who generally understand where to get the signal. You are surrounded by people I trust who are living according to that signal. And this is a time for us to gather together to be reminded of our intimacy with God 
to experience this community with each other, this connection with other people that are connected with God and seeking our counsel and our direction from Him. Where we find that is in His Word. So go with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. The reality is, much of what I have to say really isn't that important. Where we need to go is what God has communicated to us in His Word and understand what He's teaching us. We're in the middle of a small little series together. I don't know if you knew that or not. I hope you did. Um, We are talking about really what has God called us to experience as believers. And the way that we often say it around here is God has called us to three things. Their intimacy with Him, intimacy with God, community with others, and influence in our world. Last week, go ahead and put that slide up there for me, Jacob, would you? Um, Last week we talked about intimacy with God. And we said, if you're going to walk in relationship with God, you you need to understand a few realities in your life, a few keys in your life. You need to know who you are. You need to know your identity. Who you are in Christ. What Christ has done in your life and and who he has, how He has made you alive now, a new creature. You need to know who you are, your identity. You need to know what it means to walk as Jesus walked. Your walk, your life. That you walk in obedience to Christ and you strive to have His priorities become your own. And as you walk, as you walk, you learn to feed yourself on God's Word. As the Spirit uses His Word... In your life, you learn to feed yourself and to grow. We said, you know, it's cute when you have a little baby, when you're feeding a little baby, a little two-year-old, you know, open up, open up, and you put the spoon in. That's kind of cute, maybe a little bit. It's not so cute when they're 25. It's heartbreaking then, isn't it? Sadly, there there are believers who have been walking with the Lord a long time. Walking with the Lord a long time, they would say. And they don't know how to feed themselves. They don't know how to feed themselves from God's Word. And so they are absolutely dependent upon somebody else telling them what God's Word says and how to apply it. And so they are living, waiting for this moment when someone will explain it to them. And then through the week, they're trying to find somebody who will tell them truth. Listen, if you, are, if you are dependent upon this time where we're going to open up God's Word together, if, if you need this at a, at, a, at a level where you can't make it in your own walk with God without this, there's a problem. If you are dependent upon the most recent podcast or television preacher or radio, per, if you are dependent upon that in your walk with Christ, that's a problem. We need to know how to feed ourselves upon God's Word. That's not it. We also know how to talk. What does it mean to communicate? Vertically, how do we pray and how important that is. And horizontally, that we learn how to share who God is with people around us. And then the last section that I think is just also very important that a lot of times we just gloss over. And that is a, a, a baby has got to know, a growing child has got to know how to clean themselves. You're going to mess up. 
you're going to miss the mark as a follower of Christ. What do you do then? What do you do? You know, you set off after Jesus, you get saved, I'm going to live for God. And then reality hits. What do you do? We talked about that at length this morning in our focus group. The value of confession, the value of repentance, and what these things mean. Well, today what we're going to deal with is, now how are we to live with other people? And this is part of our GPS signal, okay? This is a satellite we need to link into to know where we are and where we're going to go. We've got to have intimacy with God. We've got to experience community with others. Ephesians chapter 4, jump into verse number 11 with me, okay? Let's read this. Verse number 11 of chapter 4 of Ephesians. Hear what God has to say to the church. And he, being God, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14. So that we may no longer be children. Hear this growth? Hear this maturity? No longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. That's those other signals that are calling out and and trying to direct us. Instead, they are, that is, by human cunning, by craftiness, and deep deceitful schemes. Verse 15, rather or instead, speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. What I want to talk today is what really drives our relationships. What drives our relationships as fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And I'm going to share with you five things. We're going to work our way through these these five realities, these five truths, that these things create an environment where you and I, as followers of Jesus, are called and are seeking out what we're calling community. Community with others. This is a partnership. This is a fellowship. This is the reality that you and I are not on this adventure, on this journey, on our own. You were not made. God did not make you to just be you and Him and no more. This was never God's plan. You and I have a need for other people. An absolute need for other people. I need other people to speak into my life And I need to speak into other people's lives. Let's talk about where that need comes from. 
It does not come from sin. Sin did not create my need for relationship. Sin did not create your need for relationship. So it is not true that you have so grown to maturity in your walk with Christ that you really don't need other people. Because that need did not come from sin. You see, there was something in the garden that was wrong before sin. Garden of Eden. God makes Adam. There is no sin. I'm in Genesis 2. Sin happens in Genesis chapter 3. Sin has not occurred yet. And God looked at Adam and said, there's a problem here. Paradise is limited. There's a problem. When God said, it is not what? Good for man to be alone. That's right. It is not good for man to be alone. I ask you, are you alone today? Now you say, well, I'm in a crowded room. I'm, I'm not all alone. It's not what I mean and you know it. That's a foolish question. That's a silly question. That's not what I mean. I mean, are there people in your life? Are there, is there an individual you can name a name right now of somebody that's in your life that is, that is ready and waiting and willing to invest in you? And are there people in your life that you are investing spiritual truth into them? If you don't have this reality, if you don't have this reality, your satellite isn't linked up. You aren't connected with where you're supposed to be. You are off. And this passage will show us one of five things that's off about us. When we find ourselves drifting alone, there's something wrong. Something wrong. Let's look at it. Notice what it says in verse 11 and verse 12. That God did this thing. He, he, he provided a gift. God is a giver. And God provided a gift. Many gifts God gave to people. But here's a specific gift that God gave to the church. And by the way, when I say church, I don't only mean us all gathered here together. This is not just Centerpoint Bible Church, although we are included this is the corporate gathering of the body called the church. It's also individuals. God has given gifts to the church. And there's four particular gifts that are given here. And we'll get there in just a minute. But I want you to see who is the recipient of the gift. Verse number 12. To equip the saints. All right. The first thing that has, that has got to be in our DNA is back to our identity. Our shared identity. We share an identity. We are called saints here. God has called all those who have put their trust in Jesus, saints. Holy ones is what that means. One who is set apart for a special purpose. 
And we all share, every believer in Christ, we all share that common identity. When you look up here right now at me, you see a saint, a holy one. You are right now looking at one who is called the temple of the Holy Spirit. And guess what? When I look out at you, I am looking at not just a person, not just a man or a woman, not somebody that I know, a friend, or maybe somebody I don't know. No. If you're in Christ, I'd look out at a saint, a temple of God. And for us to really live out what God calls us to and have this horizontal community that God invites us to, I've got to know this about you and you've got to know this about me. You are a saint of God. The Spirit of God indwells you. I think I've got part of 1 Corinthians 12, 13, yes. For in one Spirit we have all been baptized. That word baptized means immersed. We've been dunked into one spirit, into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we're all made to drink of this one spirit. This is essential for me to understand. That when you and I bump into each other and we talk, I'm just no, I'm no mere mortal, and neither are you. The Spirit of God has indwelled us. And that excites me. So I'm listening for your words. I am, I am trying to hear your words and apply them in my life. Listen, be careful what you say. Be careful what you say to me. I will be careful what I say to you. We're to be slow to speak, right? Slow to speak. Quick to listen. Very slow to anger. Because I recognize that God's Spirit indwells you. And that means that there's a special relationship between us and with God. Our identity drives us to need each other. To need each other. Moving along in our passage, the next thing I want you to see, not only is our identity here that God is equipping the saints, but we have a common authority. You and I, since you're in Jesus and I'm in Jesus, since you are a saint, I'm trusting you're in Christ, God's Spirit lives in you, we have a common authority. You and I do. And it's no longer just me. It's no longer what I think. It's no longer what you think. We have a common authority. Look back at the passage. Notice what it says here. In verse number 11, there's this gift being given to the saints. Notice what this gift is. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, and shepherd teachers. Now, I want to I point out some things that all four of these gifts have in common. Okay? The apostles were the ones that were, that were given the task of bringing us the Word of God. They brought us the Word of God. The apostles did. The Spirit of God spoke through the apostles and they wrote down the very Word of God. That's the apostles. And that's a gift to the church. That God used these men, these holy men of God, that wrote down as the Spirit of God led them, 1 Peter chapter 1. And so we have the very Word of God. We were also given the prophets. Now what are the prophets to do? 
the prophets are to remind us to obey the word of God. This was the, mess, this was the, this was the ministry of a prophet. Obey the word of God. We've been given this gift. And then you have evangelists. What's an evangelist do? An evangelist brings the word of God to a lost person so they can respond to the gospel and be saved. And then you have this role of shepherd teacher. And in reality, it's one, it's one person, it's one, it's one gift, shepherd teacher. And what are they to do? They're to take the word of God and explain it and exhort in such a way that the body of Christ is equipped to be like Jesus. What do we see over and over and over? All four of them. They're all about the word of God. You see, we all have a common authority now. In Jesus, we have a common authority. God and His words. This is what binds us together. That we are all, our identity is all in Christ. We are all followers of Jesus. We have the Spirit of God. And our new authority now, our brand new authority, is God and His words. It's no longer what I think. It's no longer how I feel. It's no longer what I want. It's no longer what I always do. It's no longer this is just the kind of person I am. No, no, no. No. Bring that talk to me and I'm shutting you down. We have a new authority. Don't tell me what somebody did to you in the past. Don't tell me this is what you always do. Don't tell me this is what you want to do. I'm trying to come from all different angles. Don't bring that to me unless you want to hear, no. This is what the Word of God says. You see, this is what binds us together. This is what creates community. It's where common identity, common authority. I think a lot of people, they... They misunderstand this. They hear me talk about community with others, and here's what people think. Now, hear me. Hear this. There's a warning. They think I mean, I'm going to pick some silly things, okay? They think I mean we all cheer for the same team. We all like to wear the same shoes. We all went to the same school. We all like our hair the same style. No No, none of that. No. Community is not around we all like to do the same things. It's not around we all have the same skin color. It's not around we all like to go to the same places. It's not around we've always lived here all our lives. It's not around any of that. If you want that kind of community, go find it somewhere else. You won't find it here. We can't live that community here. That kind of community will divide a church. If you hang out with you because we go to the same school, that's a problem. Community, community. I don't mean that you can go golfing, you can play basketball. Okay, I probably used the wrong word. Community, though. We do not have community because we grew up in the same 
town. Because we cheer for the same teams. We have community. Because we have a common identity. We have a common authority. That's why that passage points out Greeks and Jews, men and women, slave and free. This is the thing that brings us together. That's not it, though. That's not it. Go back to the passage. I, got, I told you I got five, and I got to get moving. Or I'm not going to get them all, okay? The next one is kind of drawn out here. Let's look at it. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Now, here it comes. For the building up, for building up the body of Christ. Until, what's that next word? We, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Wow, that's a lot of phrases, isn't it? That's a lot of phrases. Here's what it is. We all have, every believer in Christ has the same priority. We had the same identity, we got the same authority, we got the same priority, and the priority is that God will allow us to walk as Jesus walked, to be like him. That's our priority. That's it. We all share that. That's what these, that's what these, these phrases mean. Jump in at the end of 13, let's go backwards, okay? The fullness of Christ. This is our ultimate goal, that in us, the fullness of Christ will be evident. That I think like Jesus, that I, that I process things like Jesus, that my priorities are like the priorities of Jesus, that I pray like Jesus, that I approach the word of God like Jesus. See, imagine. Imagine what it would be like if God became a man. Can you just consider that for a minute? What if God became a man? He did. His name is Jesus. And we look to him. We look to him to see what is God like. That's the fullness of Christ. To the measure of the stature. We're going to back up through these expressions. To the measure of the stature. In other words, all through and through, I'm being made in the image of Christ. I don't have little rooms that Jesus doesn't come into that are all mine. No, no, no. He's dealing with every single nook and cranny of my life. And as I follow after Jesus, the more time I spend with Jesus, the more his light shines in the areas of my life. And I'm like, oh man, God, we got to deal with this now, don't we? Got to deal with this. All right, let's, let's suit up. We'll deal with this now. Bring your word and teach me what you want me to learn. See, the full stature. Not a little bit. No. Back up, back up. We're going to work our way backward through this. To mature manhood. You see, this is what God's plan is for us. Maturity as a human now. That we will live out what God designed us to be. Back up the next expression, okay? 
to the knowledge of the Son of God. As we look at Jesus, He shows us that thing, what this is, what this is to look like, and we are all, verse 13, to attain this. So see, my priority, my priority is that I would walk as Jesus walked. Your priority as a follower of Christ, that you would walk as Jesus walked. So we got the same goal. We got the same priority. We both, all of us, want to walk as Jesus walked. Feel what brings us together. Feel it. We're all saints. We all have the Spirit. We all have the same authority. We all have the same priority. Jesus and what he looks like. Back to our passage. So that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine and human cunning and craftiness and deceitful schemes. So in other words, there's all kinds of things out there that are calling to us, trying to, trying to mold us, trying to shape us. But for sake of time, let's, let's go on to verse 15. To my fourth T, okay? We've got five T's here that lead us to community. Identity, authority, yeah, yeah. yeah. Priority, verse 14. Rather, Speaking the truth in love. Now, isn't that interesting? Just come with me for just a minute, okay? Come with me and think about what the Bible... Just observe with me. You know, we've had all these big terms. You know, fullness of the stature of Christ and attained to the knowledge of the Son of God and apostles and prophets and all these things. I mean, you've got these, these big, grand terms, Okay? I mean, this is big talk, big theological talk. And then in verse 15, the Spirit of God calls Paul now to, to, to draw a contrast. A con- That's what that word rather means. It's a contrast. So, so this is something different. So maybe we're going to get like big, you know, opposing God themes. On on this corner, we have the fullness of the stature of Christ. And on this corner, opposition, other big terms, you know, like maybe this can be world philosophies or, or you know, false religions or, or world views. No. I love the Word of God. I, I just love what God does. Rather, speak the truth. <laughs> really? That's the contrast? The contrast of these great big things is speak the truth? What's going on here? What's driving us to community? Because listen, you could, if we were out of time right now, if it was 12 o'clock, we would keep going. I cannot stop right now, and neither can you. You cannot stop at identity authority and priority but the vast number of believers do they stop right here and then they wonder 
Why don't I have community? Why, why, why don't I have people that are prodding me forward after Jesus? Why? Now you've missed the next T. Responsibility. Responsibility. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head. We're back to Jesus, but here's what the reality is. We are being told that we must speak the truth to each other. we got a responsibility, folks. we got a responsibility. We are surrounded by a world that's crafty and deceitful and cunning. It is motivated by Satan, okay? The the adversary of God. And the whole world is surrounded opposing the Lord. And in this world, we've got this small segment of believers who have shared identity, priority, and authority. But we have a responsibility to one another to speak the truth. To speak the truth. Why do I speak the truth to you? Because we have a shared identity, we have a shared authority, we have a shared priority, so I have to speak the truth to you. I've got to come up to you and say things that are unpleasant, You would not believe the things I've said to people. It would just shock you to know the things that I've said. Just look them right in the face and just say, well, blanket, blanket, not cursing, but, you know, blah, 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 blah. And honestly, I expect the person to stand up and go, boom, and walk out of the room and never talk to me again. Walking into people's lives and just speaking the truth. Not my opinion. Not my preference, but the truth. No, you will not leave your wife. You leave your wife, as was said this morning in the focus group, Pastor John, reporting a story. You leave your wife and me and several men are coming to your house and we're going to deal with you in that way. No, you are not going to do that. No, you will not speak to your wife in that way no you will not treat your husband with that kind of disrespect no you will not tell me that you're going to get divorced no you are not going to do that speaking the truth in love you need to be part of a local body of believers it is not true that you can live on your own just you and jesus that is a lie Rather, we we have a responsibility now to speak the truth to one another. Oh boy. In Scripture, in 94 different verses, over a hundred times, the one Greek word that's translated into English, one another, is used. So 94 times in your Bible, you will find one another, one another. What it represents is 59 commands that you and I are called to live in a relationship with other people. And in reality, if you do not have relationship with other people where you can live out these commands, you are walking in disobedience. You are not walking as Jesus walked. Let me read to you some of them. I don't have time to go through all 59, but let me go through 24 of them. And I want you to hear and to feel now the crescendo effect of these one another's. Okay? Listen. You are too. You and I. I say you. It's us. It's all of us. We are too. Ready? Greet one another. 
Well, now that's pretty easy, okay? Hey, yeah, I did it, okay? All right, keep going. Be at peace with one another. Accept one another. Honor one another. Live in harmony with one another. Be kind to one another. Be compassionate with one another. Love one another. Offer hospitality to one another. Encourage one another. Bear with one another. Consider others. Be devoted to one another. Pray for one another. Feel the crescendo. Feel where I'm going now. We started out at greet. Now we're at forgive one another. Carry one another's burdens. Serve one another. Be patient with one another. Submit to one another. Instruct one another. Confess your sins to one another. Teach one another. Spur one another. Admonish one another. That's 24 of 59. See, we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility driven by your identity and my, driven by our identity, driven by our authority, God in his word, and driven by the priority of wanting to be like Christ. We have a responsibility. And then lastly, lastly, is this. And please, you got, you got to catch this one too. Verse 15, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds up itself in love. My last T, you're not done. I'm telling you, I got, this last one is the hardest one. It's the hardest one. I'm calling it accountability. You know what this means? You know all those one another's? All 59 of them? I read 24 of them. Started with greet. A. To admonish. Tough talk. We are to place ourselves in a position where we accept that where we long for that, where I want you to one another me. That is what it looks like when the whole body is working properly. That's what it looks like. It looks like me desiring the one another. Let me tell you a little lesson, just a quick little lesson on that word one another. Okay? It's an interesting word. It's called a reciprocal verb. Okay? What that means is it doesn't go one way. It's got to go both ways. It's got to go both ways. So what this means is, I, my call here is that I am hungry for people to speak to me the truth. I want you to greet to be patient with, to pray, to spur, to instruct, to teach, to admonish. I want that. The world around us is telling us, no, 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 no. You defend yourself. 
You defend you and yours. You put up a wall around you and you don't let anybody in. You know what they do when they come in. They hurt you. You've been hurt before and you don't want anybody to get close again. So we'll build a wall and we'll keep them at length. It's lonely in there, isn't it? It's lonely in there. And it's scary in there, isn't it? It's scary. And I say, well, I got my wife with me. I got my husband with me. Hmm. Okay. That's great. I'm, I'm glad of that. What happens? What happens when she isn't there? What happens when he gets sick? It can't be there for you. What happens when the one another you need to receive is about him? Is he going to provide that for you? Are you going to hear it? It's lonely in there. We share an identity. We share an authority, God and his word. We share a priority that we're being molded to the image of Christ. We're going to walk like him. We have a responsibility to, to, to other believers. We have a responsibility. And we have an accountability to those people as well. Open up your heart. Open up your life. It's not easy here. It's not easy on this planet. And you are not meant to do it alone. And those of you who are trying know better than anyone else the damage and difficulty of that kind of journey. Confess today. Confess today your opposition to relationship, your defensive heart, your unteachable spirit. Confess it to the Lord. And then turn from you. Turn from yourself and turn to Christ and run full speed in His direction saying, with no regard for my own safety, with no regard for my own protection, with no regard for me, God, I'm coming to you. You went to the cross for me. I will run to you and you do with me what you may. He will meet you there, folks. He will meet you there. And He will wrap His arms of joy around you And you will have the community with Christ and others that you were made for. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your will, Lord. Thank you for your patience with us. Lord, we're so hard-hearted. We're so self-centered. We're so stuck in our way. Thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness and for your brand new start. And Lord, I just pray over this situation, over the, the past pain that people have over churches, over believers, over, over people who are supposed to be chasing after you. God, the pain that is in people's lives. Lord, I pray they bring that to you, the great healer. 
And that we would do what James 5.16 says, confess your sins one to another that you may be healed. God, I pray that we would do that. We would, we would experience this kind of community that you designed us for. In Jesus' name, amen.